0: What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? You are back on another edition of The Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser. I am joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb James. Caleb, we're recording this on a Monday evening after just watching a extremely disappointing um, end to a fantastic season by the Kansas City Chiefs where they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers thirty-one nine in a game that neither of us, I thought, really saw going the way that it did.
1: I don't think anyone in America could have seen the game going the way it did, and it wasn't even just a bad loss. I mean, it was a the Tampa Bay Buccaneers physically dominated the Kansas City Chiefs from the very start of the game until the very end of the game. And that is by far, I think, the worst game of the Patrick Mahomes era for the Chiefs. And I also believe it was the worst game of maybe one of the worst games of Andy Reid's career in of his career in Kansas City as well. So brutal doesn't even begin to describe the kind of disaster we saw unfold yesterday.
0: Yeah, that's... <laughs> Uh, we're just talking a little bit offline here. And I think the words mitigated disaster was what we came up with of how it went. Um, I, I knew, and we talked about it. We talked about the situation with the offensive line and how poor, poor they could potentially be because of how banged up they were. Um, and it it was even worse than I was really anticipating, I guess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're not kidding, dude. I mean, we're sitting here watching this game unfold and I don't know at what point where like you see guys like Andrew Wiley at Rivers and, you know, maybe Andy Heck says, I don't care at this point. Just hold them. We'll take the 15 every time, but just try something, something. And to be fair, I really thought Tampa had a pretty creative rush plan, even though they didn't really need to. But yeah, it was a disaster up front. And, you know, that's Only one of the reasons why the Chiefs failed, but it sure seems like the big one that everyone's focusing on and everyone's targeting on. But, I mean, four backup offensive linemen against a really talented front seven. I mean, it's pretty much it went the way it was supposed to go in that aspect of the game. The
0: Chiefs just couldn't do anything up front. I mean, Mahomes was literally running for his life the entire game probably one of the most incredible stats that I've ever seen was the fact that Mahomes had scrambled for 498 yards on his passes in that game. So almost he almost ran for 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage, trying to evade pressure to complete passes. That I mean, that's just, it's amazing. I, I've never heard of anything like that in my entire life. I mean, and everybody, you'll, you'll see it's going across. I mean, Twitter has been putting out stills and, and videos and everybody is of just just the comic, comic comedy that was the Chiefs offensive line yesterday. And I thought that, you know, even with that, I, I would say Mahomes played great. I mean, you know, some people are trying to say that he wasn't good enough and didn't do this and that. I mean, yeah, if you look at the stat lines and you're going to be just a box score analyst and that's how you want to do it. Yeah, I mean 270, you know, with with two interceptions or whatever, but if you're going to do that, you why don't you just watch watch the film a little bit. See the fact that he had three touchdowns dropped, two of which were insane, one of which might have been the most incredible throw I've ever seen on an NFL field where he is parallel to the line to to the ground, throw, throwing the ball 35 yards in the air and it dots off of Daryl Williams' face mask in the end zone. He played – he was a warrior. He made incredible throws. He was just running for his life the entire time.
1: That play would not only have been the greatest, the best football play in the history of Patrick Holmes' career. That would have likely been the most wild, crazy play in the history of football because the dude is parallel to the ground and somehow throws it in a situation – where he should have never even been able to get the ball off because he was running for his life. So, yeah, the honestly, yesterday the Chiefs failed. They failed him. They failed Patrick Mahomes yesterday. And, you know, the receiving court in, the offensive line did. Can't say the running backs did. You know, Darrell Williams, yeah, he's a running – he still should have caught that pass, especially after the effort. He is not really a guy the Chiefs have been – you know, he's he is what he is. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire was really the only bright spot for me. But even Andy Reid failed Patrick Mahomes yesterday. And it was just, you know, it came out. It seemed like they had no rhythm early. It seemed like they weren't doing anything that we had thought they would do or any of the things that have made them successful so far this season. And it just, it felt like a strange game plan to me from the very start. And I felt a little off about it early on. And, you know, it just kind of, you know it it got out of control fairly quickly especially in the second half when they still couldn't get anything going
0: yeah and i i think that's a pretty good way to put it is that you know they there was quite a lot of blame to be put out there but i i can't state enough how much it wasn't on mahomes like you said everyone from Andy Reid to the the offensive line to the wide receivers they they let him down pretty pretty dramatically i would say um you know, and the thing that really kind of bugged me, I guess, almost the most of everything is that when you listen to, to Tyreek Hill's press conference after the game, he said that they didn't really expect the Bucks to come out and play as much zone as they did. They really planned for more man coverage, and then the Bucks came out and played a lot of too high, where they're playing cover two or cover four. Um, I mean, to me, even if you're gonna you know, plan for man, you got to be able to adjust. Like, wh- where was the adjustments? Like, why were we not trying to run the football a little bit, where I am 100% the guy that says we need to throw the football, you know, and not take the ball out of Mahomes' hand. But, I mean, in this situation where you have, a you know, four backup offensive linemen, you're actually running the ball decently effective, and they're continuously giving you light boxes you got to you got to protect Mahomes, and you got to try to get you know yards and chunks where you can get it because obviously the game plan that you had
1: going in there needed to be adjusted. And I just feel like there was no adjustments being made. I was so baffled by they didn't expect to uh, come in because we talked about it last week that we figured they'd come out and play a lot of too high, so that we figured the Chiefs would have to come out and you know really take advantage of the quick game, kind of play like they did against the Buffalo Bills in the first time they played them and do some of the things they did against the Saints to kind of help the offensive line out. And they came out and they really did none of it. I mean, they were trying to live east to west most of the game when when uh, Tampa Bay was pretty much giving them the middle of the field. And, you know, like you said, the, I thought Clyde edwards Hilaire, you know, when the limited touches he got, he looked electric, breaking tackles out there. He's probably one of the only bright spots of the game. He only got nine carries, and he was – it looks like 64 yards on nine carries, 7.1 a pop. I mean, that was pretty much all because there was not a lot of guys in the box, and the O-line was able to, you know, cover some people up. And, you know, he's an electric playmaker with the ball in his hands. He's breaking tackles, fighting through tackles, doing everything he can. So I was disappointed they didn't get him the, him the ball board just because he looked healthy. He looked ready to go. But, man – You know, when you're an offensive lineman, and you're especially with a backup offensive line of run blocking, I understand Tampa Bay has the number one run defense in the NFL, and I keep saying the Chiefs should have run the ball more, and some people have disagreed with me on this. After what the Chiefs did to Tampa Bay the first time, do you really think they were going to let the Chiefs just destroy them with the deep ball again? No. They were selling out to stop Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey from getting those 20-plus yard gains, and they were going to – You know, allow the Chiefs to run the football. If the Chiefs could have run the ball effectively, that would have helped the offensive line out more because, you know, run blocking is easier than pass blocking is. And also, there was a point in the game when I think Shaq Barrett and the rest of those defensive ends and all those guys for Tampa, there was a couple of times where those guys weren't even looking for the run. They were literally just looking to bend the edge on the tackles the entire time because it was an obvious passing down and really try to get there and hit Mahomes. So just baffling decision-making from the Chiefs. But also, you know, the players still have to go out there and play. And, you know, there was a lot of guys that came out flat or didn't seem like themselves. So, yeah, it was an all-around disaster on the offensive side of the football.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, where where was Sammy Watkins? Where was McCole Hardman? Where was, you know, any <coughs> other receiver – Trying to step up and make a play with with what was going on. Obviously, a lot of tension was happening. You know, with, with or give, being given to Tyree Kill and to Travis Kelsey, somebody else has got to be able to step up and make a play. I mean, I, I think Sammy Watkins must have been on the pitch count because I want to say he was only on the field for for nineteen um, of the pass plays that Kansas City run ran. And, but but still, like, how how were we not? using McColl Hardman and trying to get him on some of these little pop passes or jet sweeps or, you know, quick game stuff. It just, I mean, anything like where were these guys again, it's just a complete letdown. I think by basically the entire, like you said, the entire offense. And I would just take Mahomes out of that because he was so good. You know, even the Kelsey had some big numbers. If you look at it, 10 catches over, I think, 133 yards or something Mm -hmm. like that. But what, what a brutal drop he had on that third down where Mahomes again escapes pressure immediate pressure gets hit falling down and you know third whatever 9 or third 9 to third 14 or something like that hits Kelsey directly in the hands and they have to punt because of it just just terrible situations like that and it felt like it was just the whole game
1: yeah dude i mean it's so crazy i think another big thing to look at is A lot of the little mistakes that the Chiefs have made in the past, it finally came back to get them in the big moment. And some of the unorthodox things they do did come back to get them. But, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. And just some of the lack of focus, it seemed like there was a lack of focus at times, which we've seen before and they've always been able to overcome. But they finally got to the point where they just couldn't overcome it because Tampa Bay had such a perfect game plan all around and they just couldn't overcome the injuries up front, but I agree. The receiving core from outside of you know Tyree Kill last night was pretty embarrassing. It was not a great performance at all. Sammy was definitely on a pitch count. I doubt he was close to full health, or doubt to really being in that great a shape at this point in the season since he's been out for so long. You know, and you know Demarcus Robinson. That's likely his last game as a chief as well he's not we know what he is at this point we know what Byron Pringle is at this point Hardman just continues to frustrate us cuz we see those great flashes week in week out and it even looked like Andy was trying to make him a focal point in the offense this week and they just couldn't couldn't seem to get it to him so there's definitely going to need to be some things the Chiefs look at in the offseason I would like to bring this up though because you know there was a situation in Kansas City this past week before the game of all times with Andy Reid's son, Britt Reid, you know, the Chiefs' uh, outside linebacker and defensive line coach uh, with that car accident that he was in that has tragically injured some children who are now in the hospital. You know, you heard Andy Reid talk about it in the press conference after it. Where do you think he's right? Where do you think he stands right now because of that? Or do you think that that incident had any impact on the game? Because, you know, it could be the lazy thing to say it did have an impact and he might have been distracted. But I don't know how much, I don't know how big it would have been since they put the plan in. But do you think that it, it could have had some impact on the way that he adjusted the plan? Because this is really a game where we didn't see Andy, you know, adjust to doing a whole lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all on that note, you know, obviously our heart and thoughts and prayers go out to the family and to the little girl who is in critical condition right now. I mean, just a very sad and and tragic story. And obviously everybody knows the history with Andy Reid and him losing his other son. And, you know, now he's going through this, who his son, it's alleged that, you know, he was Potentially under the influence of alcohol, and I just was reading something tonight that he was potentially even drinking at the facility. Um, just not a good situation all around. Obviously, he's got he's got some demons. He's clearly needs to you know fight and, and get rid of. But you know, again, let's you know keep your thoughts with with the little girl and, and hope that. You know she's able to recover or whatever, but as far as far as um, Andy Reid concerned, the coach and the play calling, I, I don't know how, I don't know how that can't play somewhat of a distraction on you because it's such a tragic situation. And obviously, you know he's a father; he's a father to his son who obviously was injured too and made some bad choices. And you know he's a father watching another family you know suffer and go through this stuff. I mean, it's got a weigh on your mind. I mean, I just, these, every, even with the athletes in, in these coaches and stuff all the time, we try to put them on this pedestal still, um, that they're, that they're more than they really are. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, they're still people. I mean, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, real life things happen and they're affected by them. And I, I just don't know, you know, how much as a person, how you can't have that at least on the back of your mind waiting on you for, for, you know, it being such a huge and tragic situation.
1: Yeah. And he's under investigation right now. I don't want to speculate on anything before we have facts and information on it, but it's a real, I have a feeling this is going to be a real ugly situation just because of the nature of the kind of prescription pills he was on, which is Adderall, which is a stimulant and that they did, have alcohol on his breath and it seemed that he might have been leaving the facility so this has the potential to get really ugly and obviously we're going to keep our hearts and prayers with the family of the little girl I know there's been a great uh GoFundMe page going around um we'll try to get a link to that I'll probably put a link to that out sometime soon but we think that probably had an effect on coach Reed's play calling throughout the game do you think that that kind of thing also would have had an impact on the players on the team because you know Britt Reed was a coach this is someone that you know especially the defensive guys are seeing every day you know he's in the facility with them. where would you stand thinking about this kind of situation if you were a player
0: yeah again I mean you, you got to think that they're it's probably in the back of their head I mean it, it's such a you know Terrible situation. You, you hope that there's enough leadership with the guys in the locker room and Mahomes and Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark and these guys that they would be able to get their minds right enough to perform, um, you know, for 60 minutes and in, in the biggest game of the year. But again, there's still people, you know, you, you still are thinking, hey, is this is a coach. This is, you know, a guy that I'm around all the time. Um, you know, it, you know, you see this team and how they are, they're an extremely close group. And you know how the admiration that the team has for Andy Reid. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I would definitely think that it was probably in the back of their minds. Uh, you know, hopefully they were able to um, put it away for a little bit so it didn't affect them too much. But, you know, the all-around situation, it's just it was a very, very bad situation. And uh, definitely with the week that it happened – you know, kind of made it even worse, I guess, you know, not that it I don't know how it could get any worse, I guess, with with what happened. But, you know, definitely just not a good situation.
1: Um, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, just horrendous overall timing. It couldn't have happened at a worse possible time, you know, from a football perspective. But, uh yeah, that was definitely, you know, that started to kind of put a damper on the week. And then the game definitely put the biggest damper on the week. I think, and it's just so disappointing to see that that high-powered offense that, you know, the first weeks of the playoffs looked so electric and looked like they just weren't never going to be – they couldn't be stopped is what it looked like at times. And, you know, last night they came out and it was the little mistakes that caught up to them and it was the injuries that caught up to them. And I think that's just the story of the game from the offense.
0: Yeah, I I just (laughs) – you know, and I think that – sorry, I had to mute myself. I had to sneeze. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, you know, I think that it, it's something you, you learn from it. You know, Mahomes already talked. He said, you know, I never want to have this feeling again. He's like, it's something that, you know, we got outplayed, outcoached. And and, and those things happen. You know, those things happen in the NFL. And, and you know what? The bottom line is – they're going to be in this situation a lot, right? If if things go the way that we anticipate and think they will, Mahomes is going to have them in contention a lot. And guess what? They're not going. To, you're not going to win every single time. That's just not how it works. It'd be nice. It'd be great. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, you know, they they have one Super Bowl already. They went back to it this year, and they just couldn't get the job done. Uh, I mean, for a variety of reasons. You know, we talked about. Do you think that? um and I know they ran some, but do you think, what do you think screen game wise? Because there's two things that I would I wanted to see more. I wanted to see more empty. I think the empty put them, you know, it stressed the defense quite a bit. It, it forced them into some checks and it, and it seemed to open up some space for these guys. And then the other thing was screens on early downs. I know they ran some screens, but it's always seemed to be like when it was on third down, the defense is kind of almost expecting it then.
1: Gosh, man. You know, Andy Reid's been a great screen coach his entire career, but. If anyone's watched the Chiefs play this year, they haven't been particularly been a talented screen team just due to some of the inconsistencies with the running backs, you know, especially on those third down situations. You know, that's that's not really what Darrell Williams needs to be used for to screen. I know they can get away with it from time to time, but Tampa Bay was really locked into that. Not a real big fan of screen plays on third down. I'm also not a big fan of the one plays where Tyree Kill would be standing in the backfield, four yards in the backfield, and just be there as a little outlet for Mahomes or whatever. Why? Why that just it makes no sense to me why the most explosive playmaker in football, we can't find him a way to get the ball. They only ran about one quick slant to him all game, and that's the play that he killed Buffalo on for the long game. That's something that they're going to, I thought they should have gone to. But back to the screen game, I just think it comes down to the fact that O line has never been cohesive enough this year to be able to create a great rhythm in the screen game. If you kind of look at his history, it's always later in the season when the Chiefs get to their screen game down. And that's usually because all the linemen are able to get their timing straight, get everything lined up. And it just really wasn't in the cards this year. And also, that's not the most athletic group of guys up front that can move around. So I think that played a big part. But you know, it, it was just those predictable plays and sometimes predictable situations that I think hurt the Chiefs. And also, just not taking utilizing the playmakers to their best of ability. And so, yeah, that was very obviously very frustrating to watch. You know, especially I just I hate seeing play. I hate seeing plays in the Chiefs' offense that pigeonhole Patrick Mahomes into one thing. I absolutely hate it. I hate just the designed little check plays. I want to have guys running around. I want to have multiple options every play just so that he's able to, you know, get ready and to be able to go out there and, you know, do the things that make him amazing.
0: I'm right with you on that one. I think that anytime you limit Mahomes' options, you're just limiting the greatness that, that he is and what he can accomplish um, you mentioned the quick game there for for Kansas City and, and the slants and stuff. And if you look at the Bucks' offense, that was their their game plan. Brady's average depth of target was like four yards or something like that, which is just unbelievable. And, and you can, if you go follow, uh, I think his name's Scott Cashmere or something like that uh, on Twitter, he put out this thread and basically went through every single pass of Brady's. And she put put a still shot of where he was completing the ball, and it is it's almost comical the like the completions and the gains that they were getting where he's throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage or three yards past the line of scrimmage. I mean they clear they clearly came in with a game plan saying we know that they're going to try to come after us like they did last time. We got to get the ball out of his hands quick. They did that, um, and they were effective in doing it. You know, obviously. I think that the, the Chiefs' DBs did a pretty good job limiting the wide receivers on the outside. Um, but, you know, Gronk Gronkowski, he he had a pretty big game going across the middle, and, and it's something the Chiefs struggled with all year was the tight ends. Uh, you know, whether it was Sorensen or the linebackers, they've just they struggled with it all year.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's just typical Tom Brady football. He's going to exploit what you cannot do, which you do not do well, and he's just going to... Go to it time and time again, and he's been doing it for twenty years. I mean he plays a really simple brand of football. he has an amazing football i q and he knew what they were going to do and it was really no surprise. I saw a tweet though, and this kind of ties Brady into Mahomes with his game because Brady you know he didn't put up anything wild numbers, he was incredibly efficient, and he put his team in spots to win, even though There were some big-time calls that helped them out, but the Chiefs also had some big-time mess-ups, like on that field goal with Hardman lined up hilariously off sides on that. I saw a tweet from Jeff Schwartz, and it said, the Chiefs will be better if Patrick Mahomes can play more like Tom Brady, but for them to do that, they'll have to invest more into the offensive line. And not talking more about investing into the offensive line, we can save that for a later discussion, but what aspects of brady's game do you think could make mahomes a better player and how could mahomes model some of his game after what brady's been able to do so well for 20 years
0: yeah i mean the the bigger thing with brady that you think about is that he just always just takes what the defense gives him right he he's he understands it's okay to check it down sometimes and i think that mahomes has learned that and he he's gotten um to, to do some of that, but I think that it's a very fine line because you still want Mahomes to be Mahomes, right? You know, one of the greatest things we've seen for Mahomes is that how well he does play in structure, and he's grown in that. You know, he's one of the most, most dominant quarterbacks from the pocket when he's on rhythm, and the numbers the numbers really bear that out. You know, in the pocket, he's got the highest quarterback rating in the NFL. Um, he has the best quarterback rating in NFL history, actually, because of it. So, uh, you know, and and that's where Brady has really kind of made his mark is is the play action in rhythm, not afraid to check it down, understanding what the defense is going to do, and not um, not really forcing forcing the issue at times, which is which is smart, efficient football, right? I, I there was quote uh, John Gruden said years ago is, you'll you'll never go broke making a profit, and he was referring to finding your outlets. You know, it's okay to throw the ball to, you know, for example, last night, <laughs> Leonard Ford at three yards from the line of scrimmage and let him let him pick up fifteen for you. You know, that's what they're doing here. You know, you're running they're running like a split zone look, but instead of it being split zone, it's play action. Rob Gronkowski's coming f- or Cameron Brate's coming flat across the line of scrimmage and catching the ball three yards in the backfield and then turning it up and picking up twelve. I mean those are the things that, you know, I wish I, I wish Kansas City would have done last night is those short, quick game stuff and let your athletes try to make plays and, and be OK with picking up five or six yards at a time. You know, you don't have to you don't have to run the deep crossers, the four verts every single every single play where you're trying to throw it, you know, 27 yards. And I, and I think that they have gotten better at that, especially um, over the years with Mahomes. You know, you see some of the quick stuff and you saw it earlier in the year. Teams are playing deep and they were OK running the ball, they're okay running some of the quick game. Um, definitely would have liked to see more of it. Um, the other thing that I think it, w- w- last night was just how good, and it obviously helps Brady gets rid of the ball quickly, but the Bucks offensive line is outstanding. I mean, I think I saw the stats today that Tristan Wirfs had like, he's given up one sack the entire year for all the pass attempts that they had this year. And I, I want to say, don't quote me on, it, but I want to say it was seven hundred ninety nine pass attempts, and he only gave up one sack. So pretty incredible for a rookie. But you know their offensive line was obviously outstanding, and we talked about you know what the big thing could be with the offensive lines on both sides against the defensive lines, and they they clearly won that battle.
1: Yep, uh, Tampa Bay has an outstanding offensive line. Uh, we knew they were going to come in. And play a huge key in them being able to win the game, and they certainly you know they gave up just the one sack to uh Frank Clark when him and Chris Jones played the twist game, but those guys were those guys were just dominant all season, and they capped off a dominant season of play you know from start to finish that offensive line is definitely up there for one of the best in the n f l They might actually be the they might actually have proven themselves to be the best offensive line. This past season, for the performances they've put on in the playoffs, and Tristan Warf, he's an incredible talent. You know, he wasn't really giving up any pressure to anyone all night. He's going to be playing this game for a very, very long time to come. And you know, I I really have a hard time in general, though, putting a lot of blame on the Chiefs' defense because they made some plays early. Now the penalties. You know, there's nothing they can do about that. That's how the Chiefs cornerbacks play on those holding calls. That's how they've played all season. You know, they haven't changed the way they – they're not going to change the way they play in the biggest game of the year. So that was obviously incredibly disappointing. But, you know, defense, a fourth down and one goal line stand, that was giant. Tyron Matthews, I thought that interception was going to be giant before it got called off. That was a really big momentum changer. And then, you know – There were a couple just the. I believe what was the turning point of the game was the horrendous decision and use of timeouts to give Tampa to save time for Tampa Bay that was made by the Chiefs to call those timeouts. Tampa Bay baited them into calling that timeout. They ran a draw play that really. Didn't look like it was going to have anything going from the start. It didn't look like it was going to be successful. It looked like they were trying to see how the Chiefs would react before they started calling pass plays that late. And sure enough, they took advantage of it. And Brady goes and targets Mike Evans, and they call the PI on. They call the PI on Breland, and then that leads to the other PI in the end zone on Matthew. And that leads to the touchdown. That's kind of when the wheels started to fall off. And that's kind of when things started to get out of control. It was about as ugly sequence of football as you could have possibly seen. But that was the turning point. But gosh, dude, we put the defense in some bad spots this game, man. You know, obviously the interceptions from Mahomes didn't help, even though he was just out there trying to make a play. It didn't help that we gave them more points after getting off the field on a on the, the big field goal attempt and Tommy Townsend's shank, the special teams were also hilariously beaten just from mistakes that you cannot make in games like this. And, you know, I've been on Dave Tobe's case for a while now. He's just – his unit has, has really put the Chiefs in some bad situations over the past couple of seasons, and this was the time that Mahomes was not able to overcome those mistakes
0: yeah they they have you're right, and that unit has kind of struggled all year and it kinda um gets glossed over sometimes because they have you know they had the punt return for a touchdown and a kick return for a touchdown which makes everybody think that you know they've played really well all year and they really haven't they've been pretty up and down um with their consistency you know and the officiating thing um by by no stretch of the imagination did it it cost the chiefs to lose. Um, you know, that's loser talk and and that that's, I'll never say that officiating does not cost teams games. The, the offensive line injuries were by far the bigger reason that Kansas city was not able to get the win. But I tell you that officiating was not fun to watch by any stretch of the imagination. There was some just unbelievably poor calls, uh, with the holding and the defensive pass interference. And if you want to go look into it, you can search Twitter and you can see plenty of people talking about it and kind of, you know, the different stuff. Uh, you know, even the Macaulay there, the the ex-head of officials that works for Fox, <laughs> tweeting out basically that, yeah, don't have any idea why this crew was calling the, those penalties like they are and how Tom Brady has had more defensive pass interferences and holdings um, called in his favor than any quarterback, than all the other quarterbacks basic, basically combined. Uh, he had two more against Kansas City where the rest of the playoffs, there was only three called the, the whole of the time. And I don't know. You can look at all that. It's crazy, but, you know, it didn't cost the Chiefs to lose the game. It definitely didn't help, um, you know, and it definitely made it more difficult to watch. That is for sure when you get a big stop or you get a big interception and then, you know, it gets called for, for kind of a phantom holding. That's pretty deflating. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. You've got to be able to try to play through it and um, see what happens, I guess, uh, you know, and try to make a play the next the next down. Did you see the, the whole interaction with Brady and Tyron Matthew? Yeah. And in the fact that uh, Brady actually apparently – Texted him and apologized
1: for whatever he said to him. What? What? I, I don't even understand. By the way, that was on Brady. He ran over there and then they flagged Matthew for no reason. So that was really bizarre to me. But you know, the NFL is going to hook the golden child up. You know, I know a lot of the other fans of NFL teams get upset at some of the calls that Patrick Mahomes gets. Y'all should go. Y'all gotta to need to go take a look and do some remembering. Cause you guys might have a short memory, but. Tom Brady still gets all the calls for a reason. It's because he makes them the most money out there. But that was such an odd interaction. I'd like to actually know what was said between them that you know got them both so fired up and heated. But why does Brady run back over there after the after the play? I don't I don't understand that.
0: Yeah, I right, like you said, he's the one that literally chased him down, and then Matthew got flagged for it. And then after the game, Matthew even said, he's like, yeah, he said some things that I'm not even going to repeat because um, it was so bad. And then apparently it must have been pretty bad if, if Brady felt the need to actually text Matthew and apologize for what he said. So I, I would be super interested to know what was actually said by him um, in that in that case. Yeah, definitely. Um, Defensively, I like you said, I just I, I don't think that they were great. I don't think that they were terrible. I think they were put in some terrible spots. Um, you know, they had the big stand. The Tommy Townsend shanked punt, like again, off of a big penalty and you come back and you shank the punt and it just put in bad situations the entire game the entire game. I mean, if you look at Bray's numbers, he's I mean, he only had two hundred yards passing, right? They they held the Bucks receivers to like sixty yards receiving. It all came from Gronkowski and Bray. Um So again, the the Chiefs' corners did a pretty decent job on, and that's something that we talked about. That was going to be one of the bigger bigger matchups was the DBs on the outside, but it, they just again, like we said, we talked about it in the preview. Is um, you know Gronkowski and Antonio Brown over the middle and in the slot and stuff, and that's where they they got beat, and the Bucks knew it too, and the Chiefs couldn't stop
1: it. Yep. Disaster! It seemed like it was 2012 all over again with all the Gronkowskis and Sues and Tom Brady's out there. So that was quite the wild. I just I can't. I still am just like in a state of shock and disbelief that they came out and couldn't couldn't even score a touchdown on them. But I guess give credit to Todd Bowell, and, Bowles and the defensive staff, and Bruce Arians and everyone out there. The, you know Tampa Bay. You know I know. Everyone wants them to, like, have another run with Tom Brady. They have a lot of key free agents, so I think Bruce Arians knew the importance of this run because they do have a ton of key, key guys who are going to be on the free agency And now that the NFL offseason is underway. Yeah, I mean, this was a huge one. And, and
0: I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Bruce Arians. He's a good football coach, um, so it's, it's cool to see him get, get the win, you know, I would have preferred not to see Brady get another one. And I actually want to – it's pretty funny because we talked about, you know, what this game means for their legacy and and all that, you know, for Mahomes' legacy and for um, Brady's legacy. And Josh Briscoe put out a pretty hilarious tweet. and But it also makes a pretty solid point. So I'm going to read it here to – kind of illustrate that um, because we talked about it in the in the previous in the previous spot about how you know can can Mahomes ever be the greatest of all time if he doesn't win this game right you know if you lose to him to Brady head to head now you lost him twice in the playoffs can you ever be greater than him and this is what he tweeted out he said listen I know nobody wants to hear it right now but it's true you can't lose to a quarterback head-to-head in a Super Bowl and overtake him as the greatest of all time it's just how it works no matter how many rings he has Tom Brady will simply never surpass Eli Manning (laughs) 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 I, I thought that was pretty hysterical um but it also makes a point like you know you're gonna like I said before, you're gonna lose. Like you, it's very rare that you go to as many Super Bowls as you know we're hoping to see Mahomes in or Brady goes in, and for them to you know win all of them. Now, obviously, Brady has won a shit ton of them, but <laughs> to that point, I still think you know if Mahomes, what if Mahomes goes out and wins eight Super Bowls? What if they go to eight straight or something like that? I think you'd be considered the best of all time.
1: Yeah, you know, and. I mean, it's pretty early, but I mean, I'm sure Tampa Bay's still going to be good next year. It'd be a shame if we saw him again next year, you know, with a healthy offensive line, another good receiver and, you know, maybe another good defensive, maybe a young linebacker who would be healthy and maybe able to shut down some of their tight end play. I don't know. Those are all things for 365 days from now, though, I guess. Yeah, and um, we'll, we'll be doing a ton of the,
0: the, the offseason stuff here coming up because obviously there's a ton to talk about. Kansas City has a lot of free agents. Um, they have a lot of guys that are going to be up in the air, you know, and you start right at the offensive line. What's the deal with Mitchell Schwartz, Eric Fisher, Lucas Nyank's coming back from opting out. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is coming back from opting out. Is Colegio Assembly going to be healthy? Yeah. Um, there's, it's. I mean, it's going to be a pretty wild offseason, to be honest with you, for a team that's gone to two straight Super Bowls. I, I, I could foresee this, this roster getting changed quite, quite a bit. If you had to, you know, and I don't want to get too far into it because we're going to have a bunch of episodes coming up here where we talked draft and free agency and all that. But if, if you could prioritize, maybe one thing this off season,
1: would it be the offensive line? For me, it almost has to, especially with some of the things we've seen happen to Mahomes. And I'm going to go back to Jeff Schwartz' tweet on this. Jeff Schwartz's tweet about how why Patrick Mahomes would be a little if he took some of the little things Brady does, some of those little subtle things, and added them to his game, how he could be so much better. Well, the big thing for that is Brady has always had outstanding offensive lines his entire career. You know, he's always had a team that can line up and pass protect and run the football and do all these excellent things. So I think that they almost have to be able to invest in more offensive linemen to tackle situations up in the air. That's going to be nuts. LDT is apparently lifting weights in the Canadian wintertime outdoors Going full Rocky Balboa training him in Siberia. So we'll see if he comes back. You know, maybe he'll come back better, more refreshed than he was the year before. Hopefully, Lucas Nyong will come in and help out. And But even with all that, I would still say any player that was on the offensive line this past season, no one can be safe. Why do I say this? They were embarrassed. Okay, they're embarrassed. I understand their backups, but they were embarrassed. The last unit I saw get embarrassed like that for the Chiefs was the whole defense in that 2018. How many of those guys did Brett Beach keep around after that? I think that's someone to look at. I think we could see a massive overhaul. And, you know, I I would like this. I would love to see them go out and get an O-lineman like Joe Tooney you know, the excellent guard for the Patriots. I can't I just can't see it happening. I think they're going to do it via draft, but if they do it via draft, they're going to need to hit on guys who can come in and play right away, which there's a few of them. We'll get into that. And I know probably on your end of the spectrum, you're probably looking at, you know, wide receiver two all the way down to three, and you're probably saying we need to go out and look for an Allen Robinson or go look to get someone in the draft and kind of reload that unit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that that's definitely something that they are going to need to address. Um, but yeah, I think I like you though. I do think that O line needs to be the priority. You just can't you can't invest what you did into Patrick Mahomes and you can't let him down again like you did by forcing him to scramble around and get killed and make just highlight plays every single time he drops back. You know, you got to protect the guy, protect him, make it a priority to protect him and 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 really do that um any way you can whether it's via draft or whether it's free agency or whatever it is. Do you think do you think Mitchell Schwartz is back or do you think he retires?
1: I don't know. I don't think it's been real positive the vibe. I don't want to speculate on anything even though I even though it doesn't to me it doesn't seem like it. Just because I've seen pictures of him, he looks like he's lost a lot of weight, lost a lot of mass. It's a back injury. He was already getting up there to be an older player. It's still up in the air for me at this point right now. I'm honestly more, you know, and they're going to have to draft a tackle anyway because no matter what they decide to do with Eric Fisher, you know, that's an Achilles there. He's not going to be playing too much football next season. So, yeah, they are going to have to figure something out, and they're going to have to figure something out quickly. But – Andy Reid has you know, developed a few pretty good offensive linemen in his career. He's responsible for really Jason Peters becoming the outstanding player he was in Philadelphia for all those years. Name to watch, name to watch. Um, the guy, Jason Kelsey, seen a lot of rumors on that. I think you would be crazy to think that Jason Kelsey wouldn't want to come play for the guy that drafted him and play with his little brother for the remaining couple of years of his career. And I tell you what, he may be getting older, Duke can still play. He would be the leader that they need up front to be able to get guys ready to go every week to protect Patrick Mahomes. I would
0: I would love that move. I I mean, I would absolutely love that move. And, you know, and just to Like you said, I I, you know, there's a lot of speculation. You don't want to speculate too much, but I could I could I could see them either cutting or releasing both Schwartz and Fisher too because of the money that they're gonna have. And like you said, Fisher's probably not even gonna play next year because of the Achilles. Mitchell Schwartz could end up retiring, and I've seen a lot of people speculating that, so it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I'd love a Jason Kelsey. And the funny thing last night too, I don't know if you saw, but on Twitter was Alan Robinson. Talking about how basically Mahomes is the, is the man and the truth, and he's like asking where he should go, and he says that basically he's only ring chasing right now or whatever. So, I mean, <laughs> you go bring Allen Robinson to that offense to sure cheer up the offensive line. Uh, I'll see you in Super Bowl Fifty Six. So um, that would be pretty sweet. But why don't we get out of here? Uh, tell everybody what you're working on, where they can find you, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll call it a night.
1: All right, guys. As always, you can find me on Twitter at CJ Scoobs. Uh, I had a really good time talking to you guys during the season, but it's off-season mode now. So we're gonna be hitting a lot of free agency, hitting a lot of draft. We got a real, real good little draft project lined up for you over at Arrowhead Live, so you'll see. Um, we'll see more about that. I'm gonna go ahead and like do a season recap in the GMKC this week. So, be on the lookout for that. I probably won't do too much writing this week. I'm going to kind of reset. I'll probably still post some film clips to Twitter, as ugly as the All 22 is. Be a good coach, a plug, good player, or even a good an- analyst like I'm trying to do now. You got to get into the film and really look at the stuff. So, that's what I'll be doing. And yeah, you know, check out all of our podcasts. We appreciate all you guys that listen to us.
0: Yeah, heck of a season. Um, didn't end the way that, obviously, everyone in Chiefs Kingdom had hoped. And, and you know what? It, it is what it is at this point. Like Mahomes said, they'll, they'll be back. He's going to figure this out. And I think that this is going to be – you're going to see an even hungrier, hungrier, um, more determined Patrick Mahomes next year, which is a scary thought for the rest of the NFL. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at jdiz1617, as always. Make sure you're heading over to Arrowhead Live. Got all the different podcasts out there. Um, got a ton of different articles coming out, so be on the lookout for those. Um, but heck of a season. Had a lot of fun being able to talk talk Chiefs football with you, Caleb. And uh, I appreciate everybody that here that's been listening. But like Caleb said, ton of stuff coming for the offseason. Free agency, draft stuff. Um, hopefully working on some some different avenues of of the way we're getting our content out potentially too. So be on the lookout for that. But guys, girls, we appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you next time.